This is the one with Planet Chinatown. A beetle backpack. A time coat. The death of the doctor. The return of Rose. And Leeds. It's called Turn Left. Here we go. We're still on our endless voyage. All through time and all through space. With Sabine and Angels now. Dalek, Cybers, Uden, wow. Tenant Smith and Eccleston. And Capaldi, he's the man. Doctor Who is cool again. That was Russell's master plan. Who back when? Reviewing all new Who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna, Amy Pond, Rory, Martha and beyond. Join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be but who back when? Who back when? Hi everyone, <laughs> welcome to another episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Slash podcast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> this is N053, turn left. <gasps> so I'm Marie. Hello. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> this here is... Hi, I'm Pumpkin. She's pointing at me. Yep. And this one is... I'm Alan from Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> Get out. Here's Drew Batwen. Mm, if you must. Yes. You must! <laughs> <laughs> is everyone just as excited as I am to be talking about Turn Left? Turn Left being like one of those classic, new classics. You've done nothing but talk about Turn Left all series. In between slacking off Donna. Have I really? Wrongfully. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but this is like the most Donna-heavy episode. It is. Mm. Yeah. But it's also one of those legendary ones, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's foretold. Those two can correlate. There's no surprise there. (laughs) Also incredibly Dr. Light. Like amazingly Dr. Light. Blatantly shot the same time as Midnight. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Shall we B-scout this before we uh, talk any more about this? uh, Before we spoil it too much? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, shall we? Let's. Time for us to synopsize, clarify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who? The doc's taken Donna on a trip to see Space China, sampling the wares and talking to the locals. When Donna goes and gets herself a time beetle and unknowingly ruins the world, nay, the universe. Rewind to the Christmas of the Runaway Bride. The Doctor doesn't survive the Spider Lady, and every successive alien invasion gradually depletes Earth's heroic defences. Now, Rose Tyler, returned from her parallel universe, must convince alternate timeline Donna to aid her in fixing the world and saving the whole of Britain from having to live in... Leeds. Leeds. <laughs> I can't do that. Leeds. I can't do it. Leeds. Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lovely place, ladies and gents. It's quite beautiful. Super gonorrhea. <laughs> Is that Leeds' claim to fame? Yeah, super gonorrhea. I've mentioned this on the podcast. I remember you mentioning this at some point. Oh, super gonorrhea. It's just like, mwah, rolls off the tongue. <laughs> yeah, it just drips out of every orifice. Oh! <laughs> hey <laughs> B-Scout over, you, you are, are welcome. welcome. <laughs> Aren't you just? Anyone have a particular talking point that they want to start off with? Well, I only have one note because... I just... <laughs> The doctor dies too fast to regenerate. Yeah. By drowning. Yeah. Which is one of the slowest ways of dying. Yeah. I mean, I guess that sort of does it make sense? I guess it sort of makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, he drowns and then he's just stuck underwater for a whole bunch of time and even like So he just dies and that regenerates and then dies again. I don't think so. I don't think he would well, I don't really understand the logistics of it, but like would he die before he's completed the next regeneration or something? He probably wouldn't bother trying to regenerate because it wouldn't look impressive. Exactly. <laughs> There'd be well, no one there to wow. No witnesses. <laughs> 
I feel like this makes sense. You don't regenerate after you've died. You regenerate shortly before you die. Like you are dying mm. and you regenerate. So, I mean, if someone shoots him in both hearts and he is just stone cold dead, mm. then, yeah, there's nothing inside him that can trigger the, uh, so, the regeneration. But, but why wasn't he regenerating whilst he was drowning? And oh, then, that's a good question. And then, kind of, if he gets more power to like save himself, like he grew a hand back. Yeah. He, like... Surely he could get himself out of the drowning situation. You'd think so, but then this serial or story wouldn't make sense. Yeah, I know. I mean, we, we just need to kill him off. The scene, it's not just that he dies too quickly to regenerate. For me, it's also he dies too quickly for it to be convincing. It's just a, oh, he's dead. Yeah. I get this is not a doctor story, and that's fine. It's actually very good for that fact. Mm. But wouldn't unit be like scrambling to revive him? Wouldn't yeah. they? I mean, it's just one unit soldier and two medics plopping him in the back of an ambulance. Wouldn't they be like, you know, defibrillating his ass and I don't know. Yeah, something. both of them defibrillating at once. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it feels so deflated. And and then no one even bothers to pick up his sonic screwdriver. He drops oh. it on the ground and no one's like, everyone's like, ugh. Fuck it. We've already <laughs> lost. No one can remember the one setting which you have to set it to for it to do everything. Oh, that's true. So it's utterly useless unless you get to setting 57. And they haven't got time. To <laughs> fucking cycle star around. Blasting yeah. the sky. Mm. <laughs> okay. And just the fact that every other close call he's been in, he's managed to not die. But Donna just saying, you can stop now. She just has one line, doesn't she? You can stop now. And then he does. That's that's all it took. Yeah. Just, uh, he wouldn't have that forethought to stop. Now, there was the whole, oh, was, there was the whole part of the episode where Donna got trapped in the web and her really? shitty husband was betraying them all. Yeah, there were all these twists and turns. And without it, the doctor's just got to rely on his wit, his companionless wit. But does that mean that he's just going to go there on his own? Actually, yeah. this, is a, this is an interesting talking point. What, what happened? segue right ever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> on his own, on a Segway, going that incredible distance that we made fun of in, in that review. What was that called? Oh, The Runaway Bride, of course. <laughs> and, and, and then what? Like, he just finds her. She's probably actually boning down with that dude. And then, what, he just drowns her and that's it? And he stays there to finish the job? It seems very undoctor-like. Mm, it yeah. seems incredibly undoctor-like. Well, did any of us go back and figure out how a donnerless runaway bride would run? No. 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 <laughs> no. I feel like it might run a little differently, though. Mm. You know? I'm sure RTD took care of it. There made it all make sense. Yeah, but there are so many episodes with no companion. You yeah. Know? There are tons of them. And the Doctor is quite heroic. And, and you know, he's a noble character. And he always <laughs> finds some. No pun intended. He always finds somebody on the day, even if it's not a, a standing companion. That's right. He, he would have been have, there with yeah. some chick. He would never be. Let's face own. it. It would have been a, some young woman who probably has a pop career. <laughs> <laughs> True. Bing bong. Future Drew back when here. In the interests of professionalism in this podcast, I have gone back and rewatched The Runaway Bride to try and figure out how this could fit in with Turn Left's retcon. Now I'm not going to pick all the holes in RTD's retconning, but at one point. I have to say, the doc scans Tate with the sonic for signs of significance, and she reads as not special, powerful, connected, clever, or important. But moving on, you have to assume somehow the doc came to Earth during the sequence of the plot involving the robot Santas and H.C. Clements. Donna wouldn't have been sourced with Huon particles. Presumably Lance would have found some other mark to be a power source slash bride, probably Neris. 
Daenerys equally dosed by Huons, excited for the wedding, could have been sucked into the TARDIS. <laughs> so the difference has to be between, as I see it, Donna being great and Nerys being crap. I mean, there's no real other reason why Nerys can't sub in except she's blonde, so maybe Doc could have been too paralysed with rose grief to function. What Marie said is basically true, I think. He would have been enjoying his genocide too much to remember any humanity, and he'd have been caught up in the explosion and wouldn't have gone out in time. So, well done, Marie. Bing bong. So, yeah, my one note <laughs> was putting into question this entire episode. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Even though you questioned the fundamental core, the, the basis of this episode, did you like it? I did. I did like it. Yay. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> I have more fundamental core problems with it. Oh, me too. <laughs> oh, this is going to be great. Oh, this is going to be great. Uh, wait, hang on. Since uh, I just asked you, uh, Drew, did you like this? I did. Oh, oh, oh nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I liked it as well. Yeah. 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 We're all agreeing. It is a very good episode. Yeah. We are on an incredible run here, frankly. Oh, this season ends spectacularly. I say that I've already seen the next one. Well, I mean, the, this is the fourth one in a row. Didn't like it. That's <gasps> great. Yeah, anyway. It's quite Yeah, sorry. <laughs> More about that in approximately two weeks' time. So, yeah, sorry, Drew, you were saying. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> sorry. We've had Silence of the Library, Forest of the Dead, Midnight, and now this. Mm. I mean... It's a good run. Oh, yeah. If this were a four-part serial, it'd be one of the top of all time. It really would be. I actually have to confess, um, I think the unicorn and the wasp, and you said to me, did you watch this the first time round? Yeah. And I very smugly went, of course, I watched them all. And then I went home and sort of thought about it, and I think that might have been the last one of this series that I did watch. Oh my goodness, you haven't seen any of the other ones. Because, like, I've seen them since, but at the time, I just got so bored of Donna and the crappy episodes, and I just gave up, (laughs) and I had no idea that they actually got really good after that. Well, that serves you right. I know, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I've seen them all since, but at the time, because like, we were such big fans, I remember running home to see it on a big screen rather than sitting on my shitty little laptop screen Yeah, um, to get there in time to see it. And yeah, that series, I just kind of went, eh. <laughs> I just I didn't bother anymore. So Cool, well, you're all but caught up made, now. Yeah, they made yeah. up for it. I should have stuck it out longer. Heard that before. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hello, live audience. You should have stuck it out longer. <laughs> Okay, can I ask a question? This is one of the things that, one of the fundamentals that breaks it for me a little bit. Rose is stuck in the other dimension, right? She's stuck in that parallel world. Yeah. Really doesn't seem so to me. <laughs> I mean, it seems like she can just r- literally run between universes. Because the fabric of time is falling apart. Yeah, all is that the it? universes are under threat. And when yeah. that happens, the fundamental rules change. Yeah, probably. Yeah, all of reality but... in its manifold potentials and possibilities is collapsing in on itself. And in the process of that collapse, new pathways are opened up. Okay, so only because of that can she now travel between universes. Yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> so we, we had another... Was it in Runaway... It was in Runaway Bride, wasn't it? When um, she isn't wearing the Time Beetle. The actual Runaway Bride episode. Doesn't that end with Donna running up... Uh, Rose, Rose running up to Donna. The two of them don't recognise each other. Bing bong. This doesn't happen in the Runaway Bride at all. Unless Leon means the alternative version in this episode. But what I think he means is partners in crime. Bing bong. That's another case of Rose just running back and forth. I feel like there are... Okay, so 
A, we've seen Rose communicate with the Doctor, or at least try to, using the TV screens. Yeah, right? yeah. In Midnight and, and in whatever it was, Science in the Library maybe, or something. Yeah. The Sontaran episode, she did that. Then we've had her run up to Donna and even talk to her. We've had, in the um, Pompeii episode, Files of Pompeii, someone looks at Donna and goes, you've got something on your back. Yeah. But that's... But she shouldn't have in that, exactly. in that universe. She should not. No. Exactly no, she what does. I mean. She does, because you have to give up on linear causality here and things following things when they shouldn't precede things because the beetle (laughs) is feeding off that other timeline so it has to be in some way present in that timeline as it's feeding off of it oh that's very interesting so that oh that's super interesting that's how it's devouring it okay so that means wait hang on does that mean that it splits off and it exists in multiple realities does that mean that the beetle will still be there when they've gone back to their own reality but they're not going to go back to their own reality if the beetle has its way it's just going to go nom nom yeah, but I mean, at the at the end of this episode, the beetle just falls on its back and it's like, ugh, I guess I'm dead. And then they're now back in their own universe. Does that mean that there's now... No, there's no beetle there. Yeah, I think he killed the beetle. The fuck are we talking about? Yeah, once, once the beetle falls off, then it ceases to have been in what will be, have been. <laughs> Does the beetle remind you of any other Doctor Who alien? It does to me. Yes. The angels. Yes, the weeping angels. Yeah, it is exactly like a weeping is. angel, isn't it? Goes it back fe- and feeds on potential, potential life energy. Yeah. yeah, it's precisely like that. Ah, but instead of dragging someone back in time, it just feeds off an alternate fork. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. yeah. Wow. But, they, but the angels don't change the future. They just, yeah. They just fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's like the potential life. But what could have Everything, right? It's not mm. necessarily the timeline, but de facto it's the same thing. Yeah. I mean, the angels feed off the children you didn't have, the people you didn't meet, the job you didn't go to, yada, yada, yada. Same thing here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah. Also, does this mean, I mean, oh, God. You know what? It's really, it, I feel it's, oh, I, I am, oh, I am, out, man. I am, uh, <laughs> I'm really, um, working myself up here. It's a little bit too easy to travel in time in this episode. Yeah. You can, you can be a beetle. You can put on a fucking coat. Oh, I guess universes are collapsing in onto each other. She'll just jog from one universe to the other. It's a little bit too easy. And Rose gets there with pinpoint accuracy yeah. every other time. Yeah. But when they send Donna, oh no, I can't quite get there in those like yeah. three minutes that I have or. Yeah, I know. And, and it's just a coat. Okay, no, this so is... She doesn't even button it. It is a time to just button the time codes. <laughs> this is my other big problem with this episode. Yeah. Is the whole, you're going to have to die. And then mm. she goes, oh, but it's okay. I just used to exist, but I'll be there in a different life and it's fine. You don't have to die. Which and is then, true, by the way. And then the look that Rose gives yeah. her is like, no, you, you are going to die. Yeah. Which means that she knows in advance that they're going to put her in the wrong place and she's going to have no option yeah, to she throw herself in front of her. She knows that because push. she even goes there and whispers to her dying But she body. goes there at the exact right time. Yeah, I know. They can make Rose travel perfectly. Why can they not send Rose in advance and stop the bus another way that it doesn't involve killing anybody uh, yeah uh, why do that like, also I mean if they have to stop that truck like kamikaze the truck I really feel like anyone could kamikaze yes, that truck absolutely I mean yeah. it, it, they don't have to oh go and sacrifice yourself yeah 
unknowingly you're going on this suicide mission. It is so mean. Yeah, and <laughs> it made absolutely no sense. All they needed was a roadblock or something to stop her turning right. Yeah. Anyone could have done that. Actually, I have a counter, counter, counter. Ooh. Potential counter, 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 counter. So when she wakes up, I mean, she kamikazes, Rose goes, hi, uh, I've got new teeth. She remembers. Uh, and blah, blah. She wakes up. Chan Tho runs off and same actress. Is it? Chan Tho. Chan, wow. Chan, it is Tho. Chan Tho. Bug Lady from, oh, Bug Lady. Bug Lady from Utopia <laughs> plays Bug Lady in this one. Anyway, yeah, so, okay, so she wakes up, and bug lady, Chantho, says, you're too strong. Yeah. What are you, and what will you become? Like, really ham-fisting whatever's <laughs> going there, right? But is it the fact that, oh, you're so strong, you kamikaze yourself? So if she had woken up through sheer happenstance, if Rose had kamikaze or Rose had, like, brought a unit soldier and gone, like, all right, here we go, oh, pushed him in front of the truck, mm. yeah, then, <laughs> then Donna would have woken up, and not known why she would yeah. have just gone oh i just had a hallucination and she wouldn't be the strong whatever and i guess as well it was the point of sending the message to the doctor so she whispers bad wolf and somehow but you could just tell her that and not have a kill herself <laughs> The audience has a point to make. Wouldn't that mean that there are two Donners in the same universe, says the audience? By the way, hello, Miramo. But that whole universe uh, ceases, I think. I mean, when she no, no, no. kamikazes... If, if Donna from the alternate universe goes into the oh. Doctor's universe... That's pretty clever. if she doesn't die, there's two Donners. That is actually very clever. But then again, Rose goes to that universe... And then leaves. And then leaves, so she could probably take Donna with her. Yeah, I know, but Rose isn't going to stay there. Okay, so here's what the audience said. If she were to survive this car accident or truck accident or if she weren't to kamikaze herself then there would be two donors in this timeline but the counter 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 to that is rose turns up and then just probably leaves and goes back to her own universe in fact i think she does yeah. you've seen the next one as well haven't you marie I'm but sure she does, yeah. i think she does i'm i can't really remember but I, I mean regardless i feel like they could have just plucked donna alternate donna yeah. out of there yeah. And just had the one Donna left in that timeline. Yeah, or, I think so. Or otherwise, just send Rose to do it. Not to kill herself, but to, to yeah. put, make something in the road so that they couldn't turn right. And then yeah. Donna didn't need to be there, basically. Yeah, wait, hang on. You also... Stop right there. <laughs> you have a time code. You can go pretty much anywhere you like. With pinpoint accuracy. Go yeah. back a little further. <laughs> <laughs> have a conversation with her. Like, why doesn't Rose oh, go no. back a little further and talk to the doctor and talk Talk to Don and go like, hey, listen, the two of you just need to hang out. <laughs> Otherwise, shit's going to get really real very, very soon. And if you do that, then you avoid the thing that annoyed me about this sequence. What was which that? Which was when Donna said, so I'll just stick my head in the window and say, don't do that, Donna. And instead of Rose saying, no, then the time streams cross and everything becomes a paradox and fucks up. She just sort of goes, yeah, all right. Yeah. In fact, this is right after Rose has said, oh, I don't want even want to say my name because maybe that will cause lots of temporal whatevers. Yeah. Wibbly wobblies. Yeah. Mm. But then... I'm, I'm not on board anymore. But then well I feel done, like, Rue. I don't think she really believes that because there is the line when Donna says, so I'm going to have to die or... No, she says, I won't die. And Rose just looks at her. I really like Billy Piper's acting without doing anything in this. There's a lot of times where Donna asks her a question and Rose just stares at her. Yeah. And you know the answer without her actually doing anything. Yeah. I think that's quite strong. Yeah, Billy Piper gets a lot of flack for this episode. Really? Yeah, she does. I, I did a little bit of reading around, mainly because, oh, I'm, I feel like a little bit of a dick for saying this, but mainly because of her teeth. Oh. I, I mean, th some, something happened, do, right? Do you, mean, do you mean where she went away, she left the show for you and came back as a good father 
Yeah, I mean, she she has a lisp. She speaks very differently. I she feel she is very different, and, and her yeah. her teeth are slightly more pronounced. And I, I admit, I was a bit curious, and I googled this. And there are, by the way, there are like a million different truths out there yeah. about what this is, including that she had an overbite before. And apparently, one of the theories, this is my favorite theory, is that she had her overbite fixed in between this episode and the last episode she was in, and because she had to look more like her old self, yeah. they gave her like Forrest Gump teeth to like put in. <laughs> front of her regular teeth. Uh, don't think that's true. Anyway, so I looked this up and apparently she got lots and lots of flack, mainly because of her lisp, which is totally unfair. It's totally unfair. Yeah, I think, I agree with you. I think she did a, a smashing I job. I think she did a great job. Yeah. I think it kind of bothered me how much her character had changed. Like, she was so, from what I remember from her series, she's kind of following the Doctor, she's this ditzy little blonde, yeah. like, bit chavvy. It's like, oh, what's happening now, Doctor? And then suddenly she's uber smart and knows everything well, she's a bit like the doctor isn't she yeah exactly she even goes a brilliant at one yeah. point very much like tenant would yeah and i'm sorry i'm, I'm so, so sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah sound by that yeah 29 minutes 30 seconds <laughs> sorry so sorry we you're gonna die yeah, yeah. She has now turned into the Doctor. I actually love the scene where she teaches Donna about the TARDIS, where she's like, oh, go inside, have a look at yeah, that. Yeah, I That's like a that. wonderful a scene. Nice scene. It's a really, really lovely scene. Yeah. Okay, other good things about this. Let's hear them, let's hear them. Or bad things. Okay, I liked kind of how irritating Donna was in the beginning when she's with her mom in the car yeah. and she's kind of like old Donna and she is incredibly opinionated and annoying and <laughs> everything yeah, that she is. But then when kind of... She can't do angry or annoyed. When alternate universe Donna then comes back, it's quite nice. This well, that juxtaposition of, yeah. oh wait, here's one Donna who can actually handle emotion and here's one other Donna who struggles to act even in the most like basic way yeah. as an annoyed person. But I feel hang like on, hang on, hang on. Oh. Do you realise what you're saying? You're saying yeah. Donna Noble can't act annoyed. Yeah, it, I don't think anyone in podcast land is going to agree with you. I don't find her convincing when she's annoyed. That's when she does the most annoying gesticulations and articulations. Mm. That's when she's like the most Donna-like. Like imagine that. Like, you know that <laughs> when thing? she's most Donna-like. Yeah, you know when when they go to Leeds, <laughs> when they're in Leeds, and the one neighbour yeah, just yeah. goes like, "Oh well, they miss one mortgage payment, and they kick him out, and now you're moving in." But it, Vera Datwa. <laughs> ears <laughs> also yeah red line oh wow um yeah when she turns around and starts shouting at that neighbor yeah that's a return to the old super annoying yeah, donna absolutely she can't act very well in that mode it's it's uh, uh, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> if she can't act in that mode, I mean, everyone has a way of being annoyed. Yeah. Now, if you're saying she can't act in that mode because she always does the same thing wrong, that's just her different way of being angry. Fine, then I'm just being a racist and she is annoying <laughs> when she is angry. I don't know. I mean, most of her appearance on Doctor Who, she is annoyed, right? Mm. I mean, she's... How can you tell? Oh, don't, don't make me do this, Drew. I mean, she—that's th the persona that they cultivated for her, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and I mean, I think I'm not wrong in saying this, right? This is the reason most of us who find her annoying find her annoying. Yeah. It's because she overacts when she's yeah. annoyed. Right? Everything's too big. It's way too big. Yeah. And much of this episode, however has her step away from that and just be dramatic. She's sad. Yeah. She's lost heart. 
and that's where you can see crap she can act and I like that Donna yeah, yeah. unfortunately that's the minority it's the majority of this episode but it's the minority of this character but that's why I thought it was a really good episode because it juxtaposed the two and it made annoying Donna was like old Donna that didn't know what was happening mm. and then the Donna that you could relate to was like the new Donna yeah um, most of new Donna yeah. Most of it. And I think it kind of showed her journey with the Doctor, but in condensed into one episode. And you saw yeah. how she'd grown and changed in that one episode. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really liked that. I agree. <laughs> Me too. Yay. Hooray for positive notes. Drew was saying nice things about Nana Nav. Smile. Yay. <laughs> Drew, give us another point. Give us a bullet point. Okay. You say Donna can't act. But oh, here we go. <laughs> I think if you go to the start of New Donna's journey and you see her group of friends in the pub, I think you'll find she's by far the best actress of any of them. Yeah, well, that's probably true. She's better than the random extras, Drew. Is that what yeah. you're yeah. telling us? Yeah, I, that's exactly. Uh, don't forget the dude who's in the corner raising a pint with his friends. <laughs> yeah, nowhere near as convincing. This is how we drink. Hurrah! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. She's way better than that. She is. Yes, you are right. They have their little mini interlocution, and she's certainly the most convincing of them. And, I mean, the most charming, etc., etc. Basically, I'm just drawing attention to the actress sitting immediately to her right. Which one is that? Is that the one who stares? No, that's to her left. She, she's the one... Who, oh, I like, the oh yeah, exactly. go in and grab him. Exactly, go in and grab him, gal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a club full of dudes. Go in and grab some dong. That's such a weird conversation. It's like, oh, don't go there. It's very busy. I know, it's Dick City. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's how me and my friends talk. <laughs> Wall to wall balls. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the blonde girl that stares, stares at her back. Yeah. Actually, she's not bad. I quite like her. Yeah. Right? Well, she's all right. Oh, you're so judgmental, She's Drew. no Donna. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> no, no she, she does all right in a role that requires just staring weirdly. Which Fair is. enough. But I, think yeah. that, I think that's a nice scene because it's nothing's really happening. But imagine you're Donna and somebody stares just slightly off all the time you'd be so paranoid i thought that was yeah 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 i like it then rose does the same and it's like can blonde women just see something <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness i haven't thought about that <laughs> yeah maybe that's exactly what's happening yeah yeah isn't the soldier who trains a rifle at her isn't he also Is he blonde i think so well they know yeah hmm, that's weird <laughs> Speaking of which, did anyone else think of the Redhead League from Sherlock Holmes when she's asked to enter Chantho's palace of fortune-telling beetle thingies? Apparently that was a trick, though, that they would... Oh, really? Like, but I think that they would pick anything that was distinctive about you and say, <laughs> You're annoying! It's free for annoying people today! <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, Drew. <laughs> While we're on the subject of Chant, though, okay. as an extra in this episode, I thought she did a great job. I thought she was hmm. she perfectly nailed the escalation of intensity yeah, in that cold did. open. That cold open became structured around her. That was chantho fortune teller beetle pimp whatever she is <laughs> beetle pimp in the beetle yeah, what's brothel. her agenda you're right what is her agenda and is she the pimp? pimp is is she the pimp or is the beetle the pimp is I she an extension tell. over the beetle I what does she know. gain from this dude it's really weird some beetle juice I beetle juice <laughs> <laughs> say that twice more um, <laughs> it's not gonna happen okay <laughs> also poor chantho what's her name chipo chung okay so she played an Asian stereotype in bug form 
in Utopia, and now she's playing an Asian stereotype or Far Eastern stereotype in Turn Left mm. in Chinatown, on planet Chinatown, which is not Earth. I mean, no. Don even says, like, oh, Earth, oh, it's this planet. You've never heard of it. Yeah. Because this is planet Chinatown. The same with the way that there was, like, planet Wild West in Star Trek and planet whatever, right? But... Yeah. It's poor Chipo Chong who just... I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, but, <laughs> but, but I mean, yeah. yeah. It is definitely a Chipo concept. Mm-hmm. It is, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ka-ching. But at least it's not Japan this time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, because there's some BBC exec who's like, well, no one knows where she's from anyway, right? I mean, she'll, oh, retur- oh. she'll return as, you know, on planet North Korea next week. and Yeah, yeah where they go to drink the North Korean Guinness or... <laughs> Whatever it is they're downing. <laughs> yes, exactly. More extras. More well, extras? a bit more than an extra. Okay. Donna's mum in this episode... Oh, my goodness. ...is a stone-cold, fucking horrible... B-word. Yeah. She is awful. Ugh. Mm. And there's more to it that we're not told about, at least yet, or maybe it isn't revealed at all, where the mum says, oh, it's because of your dad. Because we established at the beginning of this series that the actor who played the dad suddenly died. Oh, yeah. And they didn't have time to react and give him a new storyline. They were just like, grab Cribbins! Send up the Cribbins signal! And they yeah, got him yeah, exactly. and we'll figure this out later. <laughs> and now something's brewing where the mum is bitter and is just taking it out on her daughter. I think you're right. I hadn't read that much into it, but I think you're completely spot on. I mean, she's not just a bad person. She's a terrible mother. She yeah. she expresses dismay and just disappointment in her daughter. It's like, oh, you're just disappointed me. Yeah. I mean, really awful. Really cold, yeah. Yeah. And she's not really done anything at that point. She's just, no. She's looking for work in London. Yeah, and Don and Will for just constantly being so positive and yeah. trying to salvage whatever morale they still have. Yeah. And Donna is even, because there's only this one way she relates to her mum, she's even inviting, go on mum, have a pop at me. And the mum won't even do that. She's yeah. like, no, I'm too tired. I'm too indifferent to even belittle you. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, ouch. Poor Donna. Poor Donna. I've just thought of another Donna scene that I like. Go for it. Okay, so... How can you choose? There are so many. There's so many. <laughs> there um, are in this one. The Italian family are downstairs singing and she comes oh, yeah. in screaming and blazing in, can you keep that nice sound? And then cut to she's singing along with them. I thought that was really I, I, sweet. Yeah, that is a very nice scene. Yeah. 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 In fact, all the bits between, especially not as much with her, but with Wilf and, mm, uh, yeah. what's his name, Rocco. Yeah. Oh my, it was super powerful. Yeah. Really powerful, heart-wrenching scenes, especially when Rocco and his family have to leave when oh they're God, going, you know, yeah. they're being taken away to the labor camps. Yeah. Wilf, there's something about Wilf's eyes. It's just like, you can see tears in them. Yeah. Always. Yeah, I know. Just breaks your heart. Well, he's old. They're watery. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, is that how it works? Yeah. <laughs> he just has to blink a couple of times extra hard and suddenly he's weeping away. <laughs> Give him an Oscar. <laughs> or a tissue. That's the secret. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. How naive was Donna in that scene, though? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, it's so naive. It, oh, not... but because she bought Rocco's story. And he was just like, yeah, we're off on an Italian holiday. La, la, la. La, 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 to the labor camps. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I wasn't sure about, like, how to... 
take the Labour camp. Like, yeah, it just sounded like it was a really cheap shot, and I don't know how to make me so uncomfortable. I'm sure people reacted in very different ways, yeah. but it, it, always in quite extreme ways to this whenever this aired. Yeah. But I think the inclusion of that was very good. This is why, what I was saying before. Like, the, It's not just, I mean, before we press record, not just the foundations of infrastructure and security that are being torn down, but of goodness. Like, the humanity is being torn down as well. This reign, the United Kingdom, that un- up until now on Doctor Who has been portrayed as this you know, bastion of good, yeah. is suddenly resorting to fascist <laughs> processes. <laughs> the yeah. thoughts, right? Yeah. I mean, shortly after she calls Rocco uh, Mussolini, by the way, mm. like she calls him Mussolini, cut two, there's a soldier training a rifle at her, cut mm. two, Rocco is being taken to labor camps. Uh, via Bohemian Rhapsody. Via Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah. Yeah, British podcast of British people. Get out of here, you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you want to draw the real-life parallels or not? Well, I mean, it's unavoidable, isn't it? I mean, okay, so let's have this soundbite 30 minutes in. Is the new law England for the English, etc. British jobs for British people. (laughs) I'm Donald Trump's best friend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, Brexit literally just started. Take back control of the country. Yeah, this is actually... 350 million lies a week. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, there's another soundbite as well, not just England uh, for the English. Wah, 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 a Titanic success. Wah. <laughs> okay, yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're really good at it. Like, eerily good at, it, uh, at that impersonation. Now, there's another soundbite as well. I didn't write down timestamp. I'll find it later on. It's... Uh, Seven million people in need of relocation, and now France has closed its borders. When they're being transported to Leeds, or like, they go like, oh, well, you can't go wherever you like. France has closed its borders, it's Leeds or nowhere. Boom, Leeds stamp. Yeah. Nowhere, please. <laughs> <laughs> and this is... While now, whenever you turn on the news, mm. they're talking about, well, I mean, we're going to close our borders. Are we going to close our borders? We are closing our borders. We don't know. We have two years to figure it out, unfortunately. Well, the government has two years to figure it out. It, this is happening. And obviously, it's on everyone's mind and on everyone's lips in this country at the moment. So, yeah, it comes at a very, yeah. Uh, plus, I mean, for people across the pond, we have a lot of listeners in the States. Borders were quite recently closed there as well, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah. And then, ironically, more more people were thrown back across them yeah (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i mean it's a timely uh yeah yeah and i hate to invoke what for us is the other side's um formulation of the metropolitan liberal elite but here we are living in oxford but we're all reacting like wilf with tears in our eyes with sadness we haven't got an agenda that we're pushing on an unwelcome country we're just sad as hell (laughs) yeah yeah (sighs) Well, reality check. <laughs> but it just it just shows you how long this has been coming. Because I'm sure there's been previous episodes where they've mentioned immigration, and we were like, "Oh, look how relevant it is." And yeah, it's yeah, it's quite devastating. Well, it's something that's always brewing. Yeah, it's it's not something that hadn't happened overnight. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, right. <laughs> Back to Doctor Who. <laughs> so we get to see the stars being uh, flicked off. Wouldn't that light remain up there for a few thousand years, though? <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. Because that is pretty old light that we're seeing when we look up at the sky, so... Yeah. <laughs> but the time vortex is all in flux. Oh, of course, that makes perfect no, sense. I, I think that's a, <laughs> no, I, I'm not buying that. I'm no. buying him. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a great visual effect. It, it is. I can't yeah, think of anything 
more scary yeah. <laughs> in a way. And yeah. obviously Cribbins is reacting like crazy. And also, isn't it the most badass moment, at least in this episode, possibly in this series, for a long time, where Donna just turns around and goes, I'm ready, and Rose is there. And it's like, bow, 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 Fucking action, come in, in a Rose. My name is Rose, and I'm spying on old people looking at the sky. <laughs> Running around in my time coat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just like waiting for the right time. <laughs> <laughs> Looking in the butchers, waiting for my moment. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hang on. So, I mean, she's running back and forth. Can anyone run back and forth? No, just Rose. Just Rose? She's the only one with a time coat. Yeah. She isn't wearing the time coat, though. She's just wearing her purple whatever. Oh, this is when they're doing the weird flashy off-screeny device. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody else has a device. So she has a device. I mean, a, we never a get story device, I mean, a right? storytelling device. I mean, I don't think she's holding oh, right, a, sorry. A, thing that, a button that she pushes. Okay, I, but, I but there must be something technological behind this, right? She, she's not just like... Yeah, is there it, must is it be. Like, there must be. She says very clearly, like, oh, well, you will have changed your mind in three weeks' time. I'll see you then, basically. Yeah. She knows for a fact that she can come back three weeks later is, oh it's a great line oh it's really good yeah yeah, yeah it's very good is it like the device that they have in rise of cyberman age of steel and at the end of that series oh and stuff is is it wait hang that? on were they flipping yeah. between the two wait can't it be i mean it could be is that the parallel universe where rose is yes that's exactly that is specifically the universe where rose is the universe where they have that gate thingy with the giant lever yeah <laughs> yeah and so they just had to wait for a, a crack to appear, a rift, and the old lever's back in action. A <laughs> crack. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Bingo bongo. Solve that one. Okay, question. Did the Time Beetle slash Chantho Mark II, did they deliberately pick Donna? Or well, yeah, because she's the they... most important person in the universe. But do they know that? I don't think so. I think it was a fluke. Yeah? Yeah. I think so too, because of how surprised Chantho is at the end. Like, yeah. Uh, what, are you, what are you turning into? No, no. I, no? I think they thought that they knew her significance going in because they invited her in deliberately and, and she knew about her association with the Doctor and everything. And so they thought, well, oh, okay, yes, yeah, she's special, but she's not so special she can't beat our mouth sounds beetle. Like they didn't target the Doctor because... <laughs> it is a wet mouth sounds beetle. <laughs> they didn't target the Doctor because they knew he was too strong, but they thought, oh, his companion is like, got all the timey travelly bits, yeah. but isn't as powerful. Yeah, that's true. But then... But then... Donna was a force to be reckoned with. At, at some point, do you think Chantho can sort of pseudo-read her mind, in a way? Because she... Donna doesn't give her any details. She just has that weird episode yeah. where Chantho goes... I mean, her name's Chantho, whatever. Where <laughs> Chantho Mark II goes, oh, it's just the incense. Mm. But I think she's actually seeing that memory to some degree. I mean, yeah. she goes like, oh, well, you didn't turn... What if you turned right? Donna hasn't told her about the car and everything. She just had what looked like mini orgasm in this room it just like, looks very <laughs> weird like a convulsion mm. uh, yeah destroy the orgasm thing just, like, yeah <laughs> no like just a weird convulsion yeah she hasn't said anything but Chantha knows it so does that not mean that oh i i i I think in the beginning when she's touching her hand and she's like, oh, you're very interesting. You know a man. He's very special. I think that's when she finds out about it. Mm. I don't think she knows about it beforehand. Okay, so she's just... Sculpted her out as a tourist. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Just, just ripe for a beetle backpack. Exactly. <laughs> you're about a size three? Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. The audience, Mirimo, just mentioned that, oh, let's call it Chantho, is uh, reluctant to let go of Donna's hand. Yeah. Yeah. 
quite violent, actually. Very sort of aggressive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in space, China's fortune-telling powers are legit. Hundred <laughs> percent. It's a pretty epic cold open, right? Yes. It's nice to just see them on holiday, just being tourists and kind of yeah. seeing. Because there's always this. Oh, we were supposed to go here, and then they got sidetracked. And yeah. It's nice to see them just enjoying themselves. It's a super long cold open as well. Yeah. It's yeah. a very long cold open. It's nice to see the Doctor interacting with the crowd and not just commanding the yeah. crowd, but actually getting on with people and being charismatic. It yeah. feels like it would Agreed. have been a lovely holiday if she'd not gone into the fucking palm reader. God damn you, Donna. It still could God have been. damn you, Donna. <laughs> it wasn't her fault. It was the bad it was. Uh, it was totally Donna's fault. <laughs> no, she no. ruined everything. No, what was going to happen if she hadn't gone in there? 20 seconds later, everything would have turned to bad wolf, but there would have been no reason why. Dude, there's no such thing as a free fortune. She should have known that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Why does everything turn into Bad Wolf? Yeah. That really oh, that annoys me. <laughs> really? That really annoys me. <laughs> oh, I just want to read out my note for when the Bad Wolf thing turns up. Okay. She was blonde. Told her to warn him. Bad Wolf, surely. Yes! Yes! RTD, you legend! So that's what I thought of Bad Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> this whole universe is held together with jam and string, and Donna's the heart of the cosmos! <laughs> <laughs> it's like a dream come true for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and for RTD. Uh, fine. <laughs> RTD took his greatest success. He thought, I'm going to add another dimension of jam and string. It's like yeah. 4D jam and oh 3D God. string! I'm, I'm covered in jam, now I'm just rolling around on the sets, and you can just see my jam imprint all over the place. Oh, it's yeah. so erotic. Everywhere no, I look, there's jam. No, I, I don't get it. I, I am a human string! It, even the TARDIS says bad wolf. Yeah. And when they go oh, but into that the cool as well. No, what? I really don't. Th- okay, hang on, tiebreaker. What do you think, Marie? I don't know. I don't love it. Oh, bingo. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Well, uh, audience, 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 audience. <laughs> <laughs> True. Miriam would just pointed out that someone had to hang all of those bad wolf signs. So while she's having her palm bread, the neighborhood just goes like, "Oh my god, quick, change the signs, change the signs." <laughs> is that what happens? I it don't feel like that's what happens. It can't be what happens. I think it's like, oh, this is but Rose sends a message across the universes to the Doctor. Coincidentally, as the Doctor realizes what's going on, mm. and but makes everything say bad wolf. It's really it lame. Be, it must be like a psychic message that's like impacting how. He sees. Things. I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't thought about that. I don't think they're physically. Yeah. But when he goes, he goes into the TARDIS, and we see the sign from the inside, like the back of the sign. It says "Bad Wolf." Mm. Like it is the physical sign. But you're right. I hadn't thought about that. Maybe it's like the translation matrix that's, yeah. that she's mixing with. Yeah. Interesting. Nice. Yeah, this is a note. I wrote this down. Miriam and I watched this the other day, and uh, I wrote down a few of Miri's observations as well, such as, why do some of the characters have accents if the translation matrix is a play? Like, why does it give them this stereotypical mm. Far Eastern accent? Yeah. Yeah. I think it always does that, though. It does. I know. But yeah, I don't know why. Racism. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what else? One of my favourite scenes in this episode. I know Marie's already had a scene that she likes with Donna in. My favourite scene with Donna is where she's getting sacked from Mr. Chowdhury's office. Oh, really? Oh, no. And she's like, sack Cliff. Sorry, Cliff. No, hang on, Cliff. You're fucking useless. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Cliff. Cliff is just sitting in the back, like, checking out his nails. <laughs> yeah. Lazy git. <laughs> it does nothing. And she lays into Beatrice and Anne-Marie. I think she utterly commands that scene. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a good scene. She has a bitch in that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And we haven't mentioned just how many of the Doctor's allies 
are being knocked uh, off. Yeah, you're right. So we get name checks for Torchwood, mm. Captain Jack, and, and actually the whole Torchwood crew, Sarah Jane Smith. Has anyone watched Sarah Jane Smith Adventures? Sarah Jane Adventures, sorry. They name check Maria Jackson and Clyde Langer, which I think are characters on that show. Mm. I'm not sure. Martha mm. dies. Martha, you're right, yeah. yes. But Do the you're... one guy survives. Yes. Jeremy Hunt. You mean Oliver Morgenstern. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And after that, forever after, he hated hospitals and set yeah. about destroying the NHS. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that explains it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Well, looking forward to talking about the next episode, where a lot of this sort of comes together slash, in my view, crumbles. Uh, but really looking spoilers. forward to Spoilers. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, it's just my opinion. I think the next one is just as popular as this one. So, um, being completely uh, subjective here. Will swearing antlers is one of my notes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Multiple. How adorable is that? Mm. Yeah, I quite like it. Yeah. I wasn't sure about if somebody, if some person appeared at my side and said, hey, that raffle ticket you've just won, you can spend that on a hotel. Next Christmas? Christmas. A year from now. A year from now. Yeah. Would you do that? Yeah. Would you? Obviously. But, <laughs> but I, w- I would think that would be a trap. Yeah, but she doesn't seem like she's setting a trap. It's it like, seems like there's seems something else. Creepy. It's like Morpheus comes up to you or like Trinity comes up to you in that <laughs> weird rave party in the beginning of matrix uh. it's like yeah someone told me to follow the white rabbit yeah i'm gonna do this like it's totally weird i'm totally gonna do this absolutely okay. but i wouldn't then a year later go on this holiday with my mum and my granddad <laughs> and, and, com- share a room. and like not expect anything weird to happen yeah like some blonde chick turned up a year ago from some sparkles and told me that this was gonna happen it did uh great same old same old going on holiday <laughs> <laughs> i mean no one oh wait hang on there's another thing that really bothers me about that scene actually not yeah. bothers me it gives me tingles in all the right places oh. the terrible terrible acting from the maid who's like pointing judgmentally at donna <laughs> and like theatrically shaking her head that is one of the best scenes ever it's like no 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 <laughs> yes yes exactly it's like telemundo <laughs> is that what telenovela donna telenovela telenovela <laughs> Okay, I think this might be a teaser for this episode. Take that clip, do it in slow motion, <laughs> and add, like, Spanish soap opera music to it. <laughs> do you know what I didn't like about that scene? In your original Space Titanic Voyage of the Damned, you got the nuclear storm engines. The Doctor said in that episode that when the Titanic crashes into Buckingham Palace... The nuclear storm engines will set off a chain reaction, will destroy all life on Earth. Uh, oh, really? Yes. Oh, wow. Redcon. Yeah, so this is a bit where the string snapped. It turns out it was and just London. on the jam, yeah. Yeah. Well, at least the dude who created the Atmos system was in London at the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, he's on uh, Hampstead Heath. That's yeah. Where, that's where he was. Yeah. Wait, hang on. Was it going to destroy all life on Earth? Like, right away, or was it going to be a gradual process? Because when they move to Leeds, they go, the whole south South. of England is irradiated. We're going to move north. So I think maybe this is actually happening. It's just very slowly. And that means it's even worse, because, like, death is inevitable for all of these people. Yeah, you can't. In the end, they're going to be somewhere in Scotland, just, like, clinging to a piece of rock (laughs) while radiation closes in on them. That's how it works, by the way. I think that's too charitable. At the time, the doctor said... Because I, I made a note of it at the time. It will wipe out life on Earth. When, okay. when you think of a eventually. nuclear holocaust, yeah, yeah, no, you right. don't think eventually. <laughs> 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 oh, within two, three generations. Yeah. 
<laughs> you're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what's happening across the pond, by the way. I mean, in the States, I can't remember how many people were turned into adipose. Mm, like millions upon millions of people were suddenly just vumps, little cute balls of fat, smiles. But I mean, they still have infrastructure and shit works. Yeah. <laughs> adipose goes to work, says Miriam. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Now, they're all deafened from three to four hundred million adipose going... But the spaceship was there to pick them up, fortunately. I suppose. But you only need to be deafened the ones. That's true. That is true. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think of Italian stereotype Mussolini slash rocket? Oh, my goodness. Okay. uh, Hang on. I'm going to pass the microphone to my Italian girlfriend who had a reaction at the time. Is that okay? Indeed. Here we go. Hello. Hi. Take it away. Like, I'm so annoyed at the fact that stereotype always has to be the Italian loud family (laughs) that is an immigrant family in the UK and like has to live in these crowded houses and stuff like it's just very stereotypical and I really don't like it I don't like it in Doctor Who in this episode or ever does it make you flamboyantly angry (laughs) sometimes yes like it happens over and over that's why it makes me a little bit flamboyant but just that (laughs) <laughs> but I still I still like Doctor Who. Aww. I just think they shouldn't make these stereotypes so evident. No. And uh, most than everything, like if you don't call a German Hitler, don't call an Italian Mussolini because it's pretty much the same thing. That is true. But, uh, but the Mussolini thing was very poignant because the fascist dictatorship ended up being the culture that Donna represents. Yeah, so he I, was the victim. Yeah, I, I think that was a very deliberate thing. She calls him a fascist and then he is treated very badly by what ends up being this fascist regime. So I, I think that was a statement. Anyway, thank you very much. Yeah, Thank you, cultural attaché. okay i have another note go for it every day the mum thinks of somebody new who's dead it's like 2016 for us in the real world was my note oh because all the famous people all the the people yeah Yeah. all the thousands of deaths another thing they predicted what a downer this ended up being (laughs) (laughs) don't worry we can complain to the emergency government which again we have i have a question for everyone around this table what kind of satellite takes a picture of the titanic as it's falling from below (laughs) (laughs) yes bingo yeah the bbc satellite (laughs) such a low budget from the bbc and someone's actually like just holding up the satellites it's like oh actually yeah we can film from below now (laughs) and what happened was when the uh, christmas star flew in it shot down all the satellites that's the only one left happened to land sunny side up like the tardis perfect Okay, I'm just scouring my notes here for something that's worthy of mention. The option of just not going to H.C. Clements seems really unprofessional, doesn't it? I mean, she's got this job. Her mother's just advocating for her to not go to it. Yeah, Your attempt? No, don't go there. Just don't show up for work. Uh, you expect a certain rate of attrition when it comes to hiring temps. Really? Yeah. To that degree? Okay. What, one person? Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> okay, fine. We're a big city firm. She's like one of 80 people to show up or not that day. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. We get another mention of the bees disappearing? Yeah, but to zero effect. Also, it's night. I mean, obviously, you can't then show a bee and be like, oh, that's one fewer bee than normal. <laughs> but Yeah, but, sorry, spoiler alert, we're coming up to it. Okay. Yeah. So oh, it's a bit so, of foreshadowing. Exactly. Yeah. I spotted Rose a couple of times in this episode as well. So I think that's ramping up too. Oh, you don't say. Okay. Yeah. So there's that. <laughs> 
I don't remember. Do you guys remember? Please don't say it, by the way. But do say, if you remember, what quote Donna is going to turn into. Chantho's prediction. Nope, don't remember. Uh, I don't remember. But there is something, right? I mean, she goes, what are you and what are you turning into? Oh, uh, no, yeah, I remember. Oh, you do remember? Yeah. Rose also at one point says, we're getting two different readings, two separate readings, one from the Doctor and one from Donna. Yeah, something big is brewing. I have no idea what it is. I'm so excited. <laughs> How okay. many episodes are left in the series? Two. Two? Two and then uh, a few specials with tenants. And that's it. Yeah. Hokey pokey. I have a question slash point to make, because I, I don't know if you're in a position to answer this, but comparing the companions from Classic Who with the companions of New Who, it dawned on me in watching this episode, in fact, in re-watching it on the bus today back from work, <laughs> that new companions have a wholly different significance. Like, in Classic Who, they were just... Have you seen any Classic Who episodes? Well, so they were just sort of these incidental characters. Like the Doctor just met someone, kind of took a liking to them, like, oh, I like the cut of your jib, and then went on these adventures with them, and then just left them somewhere whenever their contracts ran out, and that was pretty much it. Whereas here... Every single companion is somehow tied to something on a on an almost legendary plane. Yeah. Donna's turning into something incredible. Rose was whatever. Clara was the impossible girl. Amy Pond was the mother of blah, 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 yeah. you know. Even Rory was the guy who waited. Exactly. Yeah. Every companion has some incredibly epic significance. Like the Doctor can't be the Doctor without a companion. And that's what they keep drilling home on the specials that are coming up. Yeah. It's like he, he doesn't survive without, like, he's he lost. He needs someone. He needs somebody by his side. He's not the Doctor without somebody. Do you think that maybe there's another element to it as well, that he draws or is drawn to a specific type of companion? Like, he maybe this is why it didn't work out between him and, let's say, for example, Kylie Minogue, like, who was a <laughs> great incidental companion, yeah. but she didn't have that level to, at least not that we were privy to. Because it's quite interesting that Donna is says like i met you again i don't you know in this whole wide universe in all of time and space i met you twice and it is like something pulling them together and then it's the same with clara as well he keeps on meeting her yeah exactly and it's like it's not a decision it's not like he meets someone and oh i like you come traveling with me the tardis takes the doctor to where he's needed or where it's significant it's not serendipity so Mm. the tardis could also take him to meet the significant personalities in his life oh interesting yeah my theory that's a solid theory theory. if you want to explain it in show rather than with reference to viewing figures okay i buy that i buy that yeah i love that episode which episode when they talk about the doctor's wife (laughs) okay there are a lot of episodes The Neil Gaiman wrote an episode. Yes, the oh, Doctor's yeah, Wife. Oh, wait, which is yeah. exactly the Doctor's is. Uh... They explain it all. Yeah. And I loved it. I th- Anthropomorphized. It was like everything that they'd set up until that point then kind of clicked into place and there was a reason for it. And now I totally buy that the TARDIS takes you where you need to be. Cool. Boom. I buy it. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> I'll buy that for a dollar. It is the universe kind of pulling I guess in. maybe Martha Jones is the exception. Yeah. Martha Jones is just someone he met. But she saves his life as well. She does, yeah. yeah. But I mean, but it, I think classic companions also save the Doctor's life. She doesn't life. have that story arc. Yeah, it's not like the universe would crumble if it yeah. weren't for Martha Jones. Yeah. Right? I mean, oh. on her own. On her own. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if those two had never met, yeah. she wouldn't still be one of the pivotal universe upholding yeah. forces, right? I think that's fair, yeah. Yeah. 
Oh. Yeah, anyway. I mean, it's sort of folding together with the structure of the show, isn't it? Where mm. each companion has to be more significant than the last, and the stakes have to be raised. Yeah. yeah. And so, once you've had the epic love story, there has to be the sort of universe-ending, like you say, pivotal significance yeah. that everybody has to embody. I don't know what they're going to do with Bill. I don't know either. <laughs> uh, I'm quite curious. Okay, shall we round this off? Any additional points, last points? Oh, I got one. When Donna arrived when, with the time codes. In Sutton Common or somewhere. Yeah. Sutton Court. Court, sorry. There was a moment when I thought, oh, they've sent her back too far. Because we get to see an 80s-style boombox <laughs> followed by a boy <laughs> on a skateboard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice that. I thought that was like, a, it's probably like a fun joke on the part of the production team. They're like, yeah, yeah, we're going we're gonna to mess with people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they should have had Marty McFly walk by. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? The cloister bell tolling. Did that happen in series one? Because he says, oh, the cloister bell. That means the end of the universe. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Wait, in the TARDIS at the end? Yes. I I don't even remember hearing it. That's amazing. Why? Why is it amazing? Not not amazing that I don't remember hearing it. I mean, it's amazing that we get the cloister bell. Oh, I want to just rewatch the last minute of this episode. (laughs) Soundbite the cloister bell. What's voice? What's bad wolf? It's the end of the universe. Nice! Wow! <laughs> so glad I just heard it. <laughs> cool. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. I just realized I had copy pasted a bit of trivia from uh, IMDb into my notes. And they are the Time Beetle is described by the Doctor as either one of or pertaining to the Trickster's Brigade. Ooh, they're uh, fun. Yeah, and the trickster first appeared in the Sarah Jane Adventures. That's my note. Uh-huh. Well, that's oh. what I copy-pasted. And was apparently this thing who would do a, the Weeping Angels thing, or the Beetle thing. Like, yeah. what he did was go back, mess with something, and then, like, just reap the rewards. <laughs> I've never seen Sarah Jane Adventures. But yeah, so there you go. There's one actual, like, crossover. Yeah. Then the Time Beetle, screenshot on double screenshot, before and after screenshot on whobackwhen.com. The Time Beetle is clearly inspired by the giant spider from Planet of Spiders, which is a classic Who uh, serial, a Pertwee one probably coming up to that quite soon and then last but not least uh, Rocco Colasanto shares a surname with the Colasanto family featured in Torchwood (gasps) I don't know who the Torchwood's character was but so there's another crossover there like clearly this all happens in the same universe I thought it was a very there was a lot of that kind of fan service service with the whole yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's like how many do you recognise how many yeah definitely and and all the extended universe and everything it was as many as they could throw into this one episode you can totally pick all these little kids yeah. like the, the little teenagers afterwards you know the following Monday or whenever this airs on a Saturday or something yeah. so like the following Monday they're in school and they're, they're talking about this very much like they would exchange like football cards or something like, yeah. oh my god did you see the things <laughs> which that's really cute yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly I was thinking it was a little bit annoying but actually now you've said it like that I think that's really sweet I quite like it yeah yeah, yeah. I agree is this nerd with camp? myself <laughs> This nerd camp run by JD uh, because he's super knowledgeable. Yes, he should. JD, you could potentially run an army. I know he's listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> he just heard us and like raised one eyebrow and went, "Hmm, finally, world domination is mine." <laughs> <laughs> cool. Oh my goodness. Okay, so Miramu has just Google mapped Sutton Court to Chiswick Central, I guess, in London. Maybe they're not in Chiswick Central. Yeah, that's the only thing. We don't know which street. But if she were to go to the heart of Chiswick, it would just be a three-minute walk. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Oh. All right, one shall we, final uh, question. Oh, go for it, go for it. Last one. We have two 
iconic companions in this episode. Who is better in this episode, Donna or Rose? Because on the one hand, you've got Donna being angry, perhaps ineffectually, but on the other, you've got Binter method acting Camp Rose, who is just passing by. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> you're going to choose. Oh, Marie, you first. I stick by my... I think Rose acted without acting very well. I think there were three separate points I noticed. Something was said to her and she didn't say a peep, but you knew exactly what she was thinking. Yeah. Isn't that and just because think... the story's going in an obvious direction? Well, I don't know. I thought that was very strong. And so my money's on Rose. Interesting. I'm going to say I really, really like Rose's take on the Doctor. Mm. I, I, I like that she got a chance to play the Doctor, basically, yeah. in this one. But I'm still going to say Donna, because this is a Donna episode. Yeah. I mean, Rose's presence is almost incidental. Like, she's in the periphery. And even though Donna, there are some dreadful... I mean, Drew, I'm looking at you here. There are some <laughs> dreadful Donna moments in this one. I mean it. I mean, Donna moments in this one. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, the rest of it is great. Cool. Yeah. Great. There you go. We know what Drew's answer is. Hope you're happy. Yeah, we can move into ratings. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. I'll start. Go for it. Well, that was another utterly game changing episode. I know we can count it as a first part, and so in a way, it's immune as all first parts are from having to be disappointments, but it has its own plot, which is given its own closure. The Beetle, I mean, you've taken some of the shine off it by revealing how similar it is to the Weeping Angel, but it's still a good device, and isn't this what we're in this game for? To imagine different sets of rules, how things would be if just one cosmic law could be broken, how differently the universe could run, what stories might come therefrom. And RTD does this brilliantly here. Catherine takes acting, isn't flawless, but when she's fierce, she's ferocious. When she's scared, she's terrified. She takes you in with her to alternative hell and back. She's allowed free reign and is much better than Billy Piper. Whoops, there I said it. Also, Ben, a 4.3. Wow. Okay, Marie, would you like to... Go next. Uh, okay. I don't know how to follow Drew. Drew's very... <laughs> that was spiffing me, by the way. was spiffing. Well done, sir. Yeah. Tally-ho. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really enjoyed this episode, and I think I got swept up with it. I think in the beginning, there were problems, and I was irritated, and then by the end of it, I'd forgotten about them all, and I just took me with it. Having said that, though, there were problems that I couldn't get over. Like, why did Donna have to kill herself? Like, I don't know. I feel like they could have got around that a different way. But, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it, but there were problems. And so I'm going to go with a 3.6. No! Wow! Was that yours? <laughs> no, it was not mine. But that, that's lower than I expected. Really? Oh, that's nice! Mm. Uh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Right. <clears throat> I'm glad that I wrote down my score for this, by the <laughs> way. So I agree with what you said, Drew. The conclusion of this season is bombastic. I mean, we have recently reviewed episodes that we've given, at least that I've given, 4.7, 4.7, mm. 4.6. Yeah, it's telly that's fantastic. Exactly. And I don't feel like this is any different. This is no exception. I loved this episode. You're right, though, Marie. There are some serious problems with it. And we've already talked about them. So I'm not going to go into tremendous detail. But given that just because it is as bombastic as the others, I would start off around the 4.6, 4.7 mark, as I did with Forest of the Dead or Sansa Library or Midnight or whatever. I'm giving this a... I'm going to reveal my screen where I've written this down. Drew, I'm giving this a 4.3... <gasps> 
Nice. No gasp way. you do. Gasp you should. Yeah. 4.3 as well. Kaching and Maroonies and cheesecakes. You know what? You know what? If <laughs> Possibly, Rose. I know lots of stuff, Drew. If Rose <laughs> hadn't turned up at the end to mm. look into Donna's eyes as she died and say, well done, old chap. Mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah. Then you could have had the excuse, maybe, although Rose does pretty unfailingly turn up to where Donna is in this episode, that she didn't know exactly where. Mm. Well, the- but she doesn't know exactly when. See, I, I think you're in that sentence. You're encapsulating why I'm not giving this a 4.7. Yeah. But also at the same time, why I'm not giving this like a 2.5 or whatever. There are so many things that this episode doesn't explain, mm. but that can be explained in hindsight. Like we can now sit down here and hypothesize and actually come up with reasonable excuses for why some of the things happened in this episode. Like, oh, well, why does she have to kamikaze herself? Why does she have to run back and forth? Does she know everything? Cut to what Drew just said. You know, mm. we, we can retcon this afterwards and therefore it is believable. It is plausible. But if it had just, not explicitly, but if there had been some fucking subtext in this episode that had just explained it for us, it made it a little bit more available, a bit more accessible to us than can- Conversely, it's a thrill ride of sweet badassery that stops you asking any questions until we review it later (laughs) (laughs) on. There is that, yeah. You're right. Mm. Yeah. What did our fans think of this? Have we had any listener minis? Uh, We have indeed. Listener minis. We've got two listener minis, in fact. Really? Who's the first one from? Tracy from America. Hello, Tracy. (laughs) Thanks for sending in your mini. (laughs) Tracy goes. Hey, guys. I'm still Tracy. Yes, I am. I mostly didn't remember this one. After rewatching, I figured out why. It's because I didn't like it very much. (gasps) Two. Too much of a downer. Mm But I like interacting with you guys, so let's get to my short list of thoughts. My first thought is, that's a very Asian planet they're visiting. Rose shows up and talks like she's been punched in the lip. Something is off with her accent. Well, she's finally doing it right. Sorry, guys, I can't recognize British accents. The bees are gone! Why is that show always about the bees? Does this ever pay off? Or are they calling back to the... Zabi? (laughs) (laughs) Future episode. So long, and thanks for all the flowers. <laughs> I kind of like the Bohemian Rhapsody sing-along. Mm. I was involved in one of those recently. No joke, and I can absolutely recommend it as good fun. <laughs> the ending did not really work for me, she goes on. The music was weird, and the pacing was odd, and Rose is basically sending Donna on a suicide mission without telling her directly. I do like Tate's acting through all this madness, however. Come on! <laughs> all right, let's perk things up with a rating. She ends with not a rating. My daughter asked me this question, and I think you all should answer it. Would you rather, A, be cranberry juice, or B, have no bones? Oh, that's a brilliant question, Tracy from America's Daughter. Yeah, be cranberry juice or have no bones. Oh, that is a super good question. I mean, if I had a nickel for every time I've asked myself this question, I want to say have no bones. Well, the adipose don't have any bones, do they? No, they have no bones. They look like they're having bags of fun. If you're cranberry juice, then someone might just drink you and then you're no longer there. I mean, having someone drink you with a straw... And then wear you out. Sounds pretty... Yeah, I mean, you had me until weeing out. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas if you don't have any bones, then you can squeeze on the doors true you're like, <laughs> like flat stanley like what flat stanley flat stanley oh my yeah. god is this a cousin of yours yeah, he's a character in children's <laughs> books <laughs> oh, okay also cassandra delta 17 doesn't have any bones there are many options true. exactly mm-hmm. yeah and let's not forget the boneless yeah so i hope that answers your question tracy from america's daughter <laughs> 
Tracy from America. America. daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of Podcast Land, you can follow Tracy on Twitter. She is at Yekatnyaknuf. That's Fountain Tracy. Backwards. We have one more listener mini. This one comes from Matt Thomas. Hello, Matt Thomas. Who's Matt Thomas? Macaroni and cheesecakes. No, cut that. Send in a second review, Matt, and we'll give you a nickname. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe even a jingle. (laughs) Welcome aboard, Matt. Hi, guys. Love the show. Probably missed the recording of your midnight review, so skipping to turn left. After the inventive and blissfully Donna Light episode last week. <laughs> we double down on some of RTD's tropiest tropes, while also getting a uniquely dark and compelling vision of a world without the Doctor. Ooh. Human misery? Check. Stoic working class heroes? Check. Better than Jesus imagery? You betcha. The presence of Rose and the off-screen pairing of various extended Who cast members with series three and four baddies works well to set up the finale, and that cliffhanger is tremendous. Special commendation to Billy Piper's new teeth and accent. Oh. Oh my god. I guess just got back from the best gap year on placement at Torchwood in Daddy's University. Turned out everywhere. <laughs> Daddy's, Daddy's universe. universe. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you clearly did not go on a gapia and chunder everywhere. I have, I have had no gapia. I'm sorry. Did you not chunder everywhere? <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> nice one, Matt. Also, unit soldiers shooting at smoking exhaust pipes. I just what? Shoot the engine, surely? Oh, actually, that was really dumb, wasn't it? Anyway, yeah. Go ah, and feed, swip, swip it. it. <laughs> and Matt gives this a four point zero. Four point zero. Better. That is a good rating. Yeah. That is a great rating, Matt. Nice one. Awesome mini review. Thank that you is very a much. Real rating, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Thanks for sending that in, and welcome aboard. Can someone please explain something to me, please? Go and feed, twip it. What Donna shouts at Vera Duckworth. Oh, really? Being dismissive of her northern culture and values and whippets. It's a bit of a Yorkshire joke, I think. I don't get it. Mm. Also, what's a whippet? Whippet's a little dog. Oh, really? Yeah, it was the really fast one running in the park the other day. Oh, the re- really oh, yeah. fast skinny one. That was a whippet. I remember. See, this is a line that just completely passed me by. I just saw annoying Donna. <laughs> Matt knows what I'm talking about. He's, he's on my side. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okie dokie. That's it for listener minis this time around. Thank you both for sending those in. Ladies and gentlemen of Podcast Land, you can follow us as well. Drew, you're on the tweets, aren't you? I am. Constantly. At Drew Back When. Marie, you are not on Twitter. Not on Instagram. Do you... I don't know what else there is. <laughs> um, you can send post to Marie at 158... <laughs> But please do feel free to send emails to whobackwhen at gmail.com or post a comment on this episode on facebook.com slash whobackwhen if you want to ask her any questions or just say hello. Yeah, like Hi. questions like where she lives and can I follow you to work? I bet all the Americans Why think don't you have Twitter? Road is just a made-up name. Yeah. That's twice he has to bleep it now. <laughs> <laughs> And can I get a massage? Hey. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter as well. High-five me online and I will high-five you right back. I'm at Pumpkin. You know how to spell that. Next time, we're reviewing a classic review, surely. This time, we will finally review a classic. Uh, sorry, by the way, for the lack of classics. Nick has been a little bit under the weather, mm. but he is coming back very, very soon. Next time, get we well will... soon, Nick. Get well soon, Nick. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, we will be reviewing Terror of the Autons. Yeah, with John Pertwee. After that, we're going to the continuation of this one, namely The Stolen Earth. 
part one. Everyone's back next week. It's got Daleks, running jugs, everything. Yeah. Running jugs? Yes, in the preview. <laughs> there are jugs. <laughs> and they are running. So that's part one. Oh, yeah, actually, you know what? So turn left is a standalone, apparently. Next one is Stolen Earth, part one. After that, we have Journey's End, part two. Perhaps we should do those back to back. Okay, so after that, we have... The Stolen Earth. And potentially after that... It's an audiobook review <laughs> of The Cannibalists. <laughs> uh, or Journey's End, part two. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what I was supposed to say? <laughs> that doesn't matter. <laughs> so catch us then. Until then, be rad and excellent to each other. Thank you so much for listening. Rock on. And cha-chao. Bye. Whoop, whoop. Oh, yeah! Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. Don't have any friends? No problemo. Tell some strangers. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you on Google Plus? The final's on Google Plus. That's plus who back when. And when you do, tell us why you're on Google Plus. Who Back When just got its very own Twitter account, no lie, so give us a follow. You guessed it, that's at Who Back When, all in one word. Check us out on SoundCloud, vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher, and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can leave a comment, submit a review of your own, and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. Not only would it make us super chuffed, and it really, really would, but as thanks, we will transmigrate your iTunes nom de plume into the credit list of trailers for fake Doctor Who audiobooks produced by Who Back When. Have a poke around our bonus episodes to make more sense of that. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next classic Who review, new Who review, or, <laughs> still funny, audio Who review. Cha-chow. Hello, listeners. This is me, Alan, delivering listener mini number three. I thought the episode lacked a certain literary quality. Also, it was unconscionably rude to Leeds. Therefore, I give it naught Alan's out of five. Hello, this is Marlon Brando, delivering listener mini number four. This episode was so disrespectful to Billy Piper. She was just partitioned by, and they didn't even call her Godfather. I give this episode... I got further about three out of five.